today in the show talking with Frankie, we will continue the series of episodes on Vatican II. In the last episode, we have welcomed Dr. Margaret Laven, who has given a brief and enriching introduction on the Second Vatican Council that has changed the life and functioning of the Catholic Church. Dr. Laven has given some key insight on the historical and theological context and the reception of the documents of the Council. She has spoken somewhat of the idea of remaining committed to the tradition of the church while being open to the contemporary world. Today, in this 12th episode of Talking with Frankie, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Josephine Lombardi, who will talk about the ecclesiology of Vatican II. Dr. Josephine Lombardi received a Master of Religious Education from my Master Divinity College, a Master of Arts in Theology from University of St. Michael's College, and she also received a PhD in theology from the same institution. Dr. Lombardi is professor of religious education. She has worked as a parish minister and she's associate professor of pastoral and systematic theology, professor of field education and director of lay formation for St. Augustine Seminary in Scarborough, Ontario. She has done media work in radio and television and has been an advisor to the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops in the area of doctrine and Catholic-Muslim relationship. Dr. Lombardi, you were my former teacher for the ecclesiology class last semester for the MDiv program. You can imagine how I feel today by receiving you in talking Frankie. It's good and honor. How are you doing today? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well. And it's an honor for me to be here today. And it was great to have you in class last year. So um, I'm delighted to be here to share some thoughts with you on Vatican II. Okay, thank you. So before beginning with the questions on the ecclesiology of Vatican II, your books on earth as is in heaven and express in humanity has been featured on certain night TV. Do you wanna say something about that? Oh, wow, sure, that would be wonderful. Yeah, um, because you, you are part of the family already, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. It's always nice to have an opportunity to share our work. Um, well, uh, On Earth As It Is In Heaven is a reflection on the petitions of the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Right. And uh, it's really the fruit of my doctoral dissertation. Um, my doctoral dissertation was on salvation out the, outside the church. In my concluding chapter, I talked about the need to explore a deeper meaning of the great gift of salvation. And I concluded that for me, salvation is a fulfillment of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer in all people, in all communities, in all of creation. Uh, and so then I set out to unpack the petitions of the Our Father and how they relate to us, to our restoration and our quest for divine health. Right. Um, experts in humanity, of course, inspired by Pope John Paul II, who early on in his pontificate, said that the church was in need of heralds of the gospel who right. are experts in humanity. And uh, the book, half the book is on basic life skills. I call it the internal curriculum, how to love, how to forgive, how to manage anger, how to grow in humility and self-knowledge. And the second half of the book is on factors that influence um, human behavior that limit freedom and I'm, I'm very happy to share that the Catholic Press Association in 2017 awarded it first place in the category of family oh, life. 
Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm thanks, thanks to God and his grace, but I'm very happy with, uh, with that publication too. Thank you. Okay, so thank you. So thank now talking about the ecclesiology of Vatican II, can you give us some introductory comments on the dogmatic constitution of the church, like Lumen Gentium? Because I, I, I think it's one of the most important documents that talk about the, the church. And you are correct. Um, it's very important. It's a good starting point to talk about the ecclesiology of Vatican II, because it is a key teaching document from which other documents evolve. It's in this document in its eight chapters where we reflect on the nature and mission of the church, who is the church in her essence, what, what, who are the members and what do they do, what are they called to do as the people of God, uh, people of God who are called to holiness and how they're called to live out that holiness and use their gifts in a variety of states of life, clergy, religious, lay people, in a variety of ministries and sectors, uh, in dialogue with others, with other Christians, members of other faiths, and also a reminder that we're a communion of saints, that this wonderful church consists of those who have gone before us in purgatory, those in heaven, and of course, concluding with a great chapter on Mary, um, who guides us with her prayers and her love, a uh, reminder of what it means to be church. So a great teaching document. Right. And you mentioned like uh, people of God called to holiness. What does Vatican II mean by holiness in today's society? Well, holiness uh, means a few things. Um, in the biblical sense, it means to be set apart, but right. it also means to be made holy. And Vatican II reminds us that all of us, all of us, regardless of state of life, are called to holiness. And uh, that's a wonderful reminder for all people who in the past may have thought only those who are clergy or religious are called to holiness and right. we can't be like them. But a reminder that all of us in our ordinary circumstances, in our you know, various states of life are called to be holy and that it's a process. And with God's grace, it's possible in this lifetime. So very refreshing that, you know, as a wife, as a mother, uh, someone who's, uh, you know, working in governance and science and technology and media and communications, all states of life that we're all called to holiness um, where we live and where we work. And this is a good message of hope for all the faithful laity and then religious, like everybody is called to holiness. Any thoughts on the models of the church according to Vatican II, Dr. Lombardi? Well, there's many models that are found um, in Lumen Gentium, for example, that are based on scripture. And the Council Fathers reminded us of the various models that are found to help us understand that the church consists of people. We, the people, are the church. But they've used various images to describe what we do as members of this body of Christ. Uh, so right off the bat in, in paragraph one, we're reminded that Jesus is the light of the nations. That's where we get the Latin title, Lumen Gentium. Right. He's the light of the nations. And because he is the light of the nations, we are his body. The church is his body, the various members that make up the church. And as his body... Another model comes up, we are a sacrament of salvation. So the church is a universal sacrament of salvation, meaning we, the people, the members of his body, are to be a sign of restoration, of divine health, of healing, forgiveness, conversion, um, that we are to be a sneak preview to others 
of that great gift. So that's one of my favorite models. I right. back to the early church fathers and the fathers of Vatican II retrieved that beautiful image that goes back to the early history of our church. Uh, the church is also described as a field of God, a sheepfold, a flock, a vineyard, God's building or temple, church as mother, as bride, as teacher, as pilgrim church. So, so many wonderful models. And in fact, Cardinal Avery Dulles wrote a book on models of the church as well that uh, we looked at in ecclesiology and others have used as right. well to help them understand the nature and mission of the church. Yeah. And you mentioned the church as the mystical body of Christ. Can you elaborate on this imagery, please? Right. So uh, Pius Twelfth, of course, referred to the church as mystical body. And we hear that language again in the documents of Vatican II. Right. And uh, for me, when I think of mystical body, that the church is a mystical body, it means there are no physical boundaries to our community, to the body of Christ, that the church exists beyond our understanding of space and time. It is a pilgrim uh, church, meaning we're on a journey and we're connected to other members of this body. And we call these other members, members of the communion of saints. So those of us who are here on earth, who are striving for holiness, our friends who are in purgatory, uh, being healed and restored, and of course, saints in heaven. So all of us make up this mystical body but not just Catholics, you know, Vatican II reminds us that all who receive a valid baptism, they are joined to us in this mystical body. So we, we speak of Catholics experiencing or enjoying the fullness of the means of salvation within the church, but Lumen Gentium makes it very clear that the other Christians who are baptized, validly baptized, are joined to this mystical body as well. Uh, so we're reminded that all of us are called to holiness and um, we're called to experience this great grace that's offered to us and elements of grace and uh, sanctification that are available in other Christian communities as well. And talking about, about holiness and mystical body, what is the Eucharistic and communal ecclesiology of Vatican II? Right. So we know there were a few uh, theologians who inspired that uh, beautiful theology, uh, communion Eucharistic uh, yeah. theology of Vatican II. A reminder that as the body of Christ, we're called to communion, intimacy, and fellowship. That when, when we gather together to receive the Eucharist, uh, we are reminded that the church is one. And right. that we are called to be one. And St. Augustine taught that, you know, we, are, we receive that which we are called to be, which is the body of Christ, to experience the restoration of the image and likeness of God within us. And so within the theology of Vatican II, you hear of a vertical uh, communion with God and a horizontal communion. So vertical right. communion, meaning our communion with the Trinity, the three persons of the Trinity, but that we're called to duplicate the pattern of love found between the three persons of the Trinity in our human relationships. And that's the horizontal um, communion of which the church fathers speak, that we're, we're called to love one another with the same love so that we too can be one. So there's that beautiful communion ecclesiology that talks about communion with God, communion with one another, but also levels of communion with other Christians. So it's a uh, very, very... Um, very important that we're aware of that beautiful 
of communion. Mm -hmm. And how does Vatican II bring us to a better understanding of the differences between the churches? Yeah, so uh, we have, um, of course, a decree on the church's relationship with Eastern Christians. Right. Uh, and so we're reminded that not all of us uh, belong to the Latin rite. So although the majority, over 97% of us, belong to the Latin rite of the church, there are also many Christians who belong to Eastern rite uh, Eastern communities who are in full communion with us. Now, what does it mean to be in full communion? It means they are in juridical uh, communion, so they accept the papacy mm -hmm. and their union with the Pope, with the Holy Father. They're in sacramental communion, meaning that they have valid orders and validly celebrated sacraments, and they are in spiritual communion with us. So they, they, you know, they may be in different parts of the world, uh, their Ukrainian rite, for example, the Byzantine rite is one of the largest Eastern communities. Um, and of course, there are other Eastern Christians in different parts of the world whose leadership are in communion with the Holy Father. So they're in full communion with us. But then, of course, there are the Orthodox churches who are not in full communion with us. So they are not in juridical communion with us, but they're sacramental and spiritual communion because we recognize their holy orders and their sacraments. Uh, and so uh, there's a real yet imperfect communion uh, with uh, Orthodox churches, and, and we refer to them as our sister churches. So right. we, we pray for and desire full union. Um, and so there are various levels of communion with other Christians, and then, of course, with other Christians, um, we, we are in, in partial communion with them. So real yet imperfect communion, um, but definitely spiritual communion. And of course, we are joined by our baptism. Right. And how can we connect the Ecclesiology of Vatican II with Pope Francis' latest, un latest encyclical published recently on October the 3rd, Fratelli Tutti? Right. There's a, I just want to read from... Right. The first chapter of, of Lumen Gentium, and I'm sorry for the feedback here on the sound, uh, but there was a great line that to me, again, um, very much connected to Pope Francis's uh, encyclical Fratelli Tutti, where the Council Fathers write, quote, the, the duty of the church is made more urgent by the particular circumstances of our day so that all people more closely bound together as they are by social, technological, and cultural bonds may also attain full unity in Christ. So again, you have the council fathers affirming unity. They affirm dialogue, right. engagement with the world, especially in Gaudium Espes, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world. I see a lot of similarities in the insights in that particular constitution with Pope Francis's insights in his new encyclical. Again, how we're all called to be in solidarity, to be in dialogue, to be one of one accord, um, to of course share the fruits of our salvation and God's hope for all of us for our fulfillment. Right, and Dr. Lombardi, in what ways does Vatican to contribute to a more effective response of the church to the issues of our time? Yes, yeah, so uh, especially I, I just referred to Gaudium Espes, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world. 
where we have the council fathers address issues pertaining to marriage and family life and civic duties, civil liberties. Uh, we have the Declaration on Religious Freedom as well that comes to us from Vatican II. So the, the 16 documents of Vatican II have a lot to say about the church's engagement or dialogue with the world, how we're called to be the light of the nations as Jesus right. is the light of nations, salt of the world, that we are sent forth to, to serve and, and live and work in a variety of sectors and how all people need to be reminded that, you know, at the end of mass, when we're sent forth, we've been fed by, by the priesthood, but then with that nourishment, we're to go out and feed others. We're, we're called to go out and evangelize. So we start to see the seeds of the new evangelization in the documents of Vatican II, how we're called to evangelize not only those who do not know Christ, but also those who have fallen away from the church for one reason or another in proposing Christ to them. And in doing that in our own state of life in a variety of sectors. Um, also, uh, the importance of remembering the need to minister to families and, and couples. Uh, when I talk about the two sacraments of holy orders, I note how those men preparing for the sacrament of holy orders are in preparation anywhere from, let's say, five to ten years, for example. But those of us who prepared for marriage were given a weekend of preparation. Right. <laughs> okay. and, um, and so happy that Pope Francis and Amoris Laetitiae, his uh, apostolic exhortation on the family, right. he calls for an extended marriage prep precisely for those reasons that you know we need to help prepare couples. So I believe Vatican II planted the seeds for um, a lot of those uh, thoughts, that, a lot of the thoughts that went into um, developing new ministries to help people, to help families, uh, to help us remember our vocation and we need people who are just, people who are rational, who are rooted in the spirit uh, to lead in governance and to lead in other sectors. So very important. Right. Dr. Lombardi, any final comments? Uh, well, yeah, just uh, I think we're still living Vatican II. We still need to encourage people to engage the documents and the teaching of the council. Uh, we, we need ongoing evangelization and catechesis. I'm just delighted to be a part of this journey. Right. And I'm still learning and growing, and I learn from my students. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to share and to teach and, uh, and to be a disciple. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Josephine Lombardi, for accepting my invitation. And I'm pleased to announce the presence of Dr. Susan Wood. Dean of Wishes College Toronto for the next episode of Talking with Frankie. Dr. Susan will address the topic of ecumenism according to the logic of Vatican II. So we'll continue discussing the main subjects of the Second Ecumenical Council of the Vatican. Please stay tuned. You can subscribe to Talking with Frankie on Spotify, iTunes Music, Sotenline.org, and our Facebook page, Talking with Frankie. Many blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Bye -bye. Merci de m'avoir invité. Okay, pas de quoi. Bye-bye. Au revoir.